A little advice. A little advice. Come on, come on, come on, yeah. Just a little advice. Just a little advice with Christine Little. Check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Little Advice Podcast, a podcast where I, comedian Christine Little, usually gives advice to my guests. This episode is a little different. This is episode number 27 with one of my really good friends, Kristen Chamberlain, who is a financial advisor. I think money health is super, super important, so I was just to have her on and pick her brain a little bit. She is a financial advisor, so she's legally not allowed to give very specific detailed advice, but some of the general advice she gives is really helpful, as well as the second half of the podcast where she breaks down how to fill out a balance sheet to figure out your your worth, your net worth, not like your worth as a person. I hope you guys enjoy it and you learn something from this episode. If you like it and you do enjoy it, or if you have any questions, feel free to hit up Kristen Chamberlain on LinkedIn or message me directly. I'm on Instagram at, at the X teen, which is T I N E little on Instagram. Also, you can join the Facebook group, a little advice podcast, Facebook group, or message me on Facebook directly. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with no further ado. Here is Kristen Chamberlain with episode number 27 of Hello, I am here with my good friend, Kristen Chamberlain. Hello, Kristen. Hi, Christine. I'm so excited that you agreed to do this because <laughs> you're not a comedian, you're a finance person, mm-hmm. and I know you didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it came out of the blue, but if anything I can say helps people that are listening, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. You've definitely helped me with my personal finances and shedding some light on some things that I wasn't sure about, and I really do believe it's important for people to have some idea of how their money works and what the best way to use money is and Mm. save and investment. I don't know, just general money terms, Uh, billions of dollars, taxes, tax cuts. (laughs) I'm a little over the place right now. Yeah. So tell me, like, what what do you think someone like me, Mm -hmm. who's low income for right now, what do you... Can you speak on this, like general advice on this, like what their like the best bet for them to do right now would be in terms of organizing their money? Well, I think the topic of personal finance and personal responsibility could be, you know, a podcast like every day for years and you'd still have people who are confused or um, turned around by it. But I think there are some basic um things that are important to sort of understand and understand how they fit into every person's financial plan. Uh, The three main components are debt, taxes, and retirement planning. And, um, you know, I think what's important about those is that there is good debt and there's bad debt. Uh, Taxes factor into everything. It's the single largest expense any of us ever have in a lifetime. Mm. And most people don't know that. If you ask them what's the biggest expense you'll have, people will say their education or having children, but it's taxes. Or housing. I had no idea of that myself, that taxes are the hugest. I just don't think of it as my money. So I don't get attached to it. Well, it's not. So you shouldn't. (laughs) You do owe it. We all owe it. Um, And then the third thing I think is really important is retirement planning because a lot of people put off 
personal financial planning until way later in life and end up having to work longer than they intended or have surprises in retirement where, you know, you've got to factor in things that no one teaches you about when you're in school, which is a shame. Um, and what kind of things do they have to factor in that they don't think about? Uh, well, it ties into taxes a little bit. You mm -hmm. know, people think, well, I'm retired. I'll be in a lower tax bracket. But actually the way retirement works is you're pulling money out of the accounts that you've potentially put money into as you were working. And a lot of those are tax deferred, like a 401k, um, meaning when you pull that money out, that's when you pay the taxes on it. And your tax bracket in retirement is entirely dependent on the amount of money you're pulling out of those accounts. So if you have a lifestyle that costs $100,000 a year in retirement and you're pulling that money out of your 401k, you're paying taxes as if you're in a $100,000 $100, tax bracket. Even so. if you pull it out um, at a, like in different stages like say if you pull out a hundred thousand dollars you're going to get taxed on the lump sum of a hundred thousand dollars well our tax brackets are marginal so mm. you know you get taxed a certain amount up to the first tax bracket and then every dollar over that into the second one you get taxed you know the higher rate on that that's how the marginal tax brackets work and i don't want to get too detailed into this. yeah let's just talk about something basic because i'm already like yeah, which is why I wanted to talk about the three main things, which are debt, taxes, and retirement. Okay, let's get into so this. So the basics on that are, you know, debt, you want to make sure that's under control. Mortgage um, is considered good debt, your student to an extent, as long as you're buying a house, it's reasonably priced for your income. Student loan is good debt. What? But yeah, it's reasonable debt. It's low interest. Um, and uh, there's bad debt, though, like credit card debt and personal loan debt. And... Um, Something a lot of people do is let that credit card debt or car loan debt that they're paying, you know, large amounts of interest on and they're paying the minimum payments and they just let it go for ages and ages. And that's really something that everybody should work on reducing is especially credit card debt. It's an epidemic in our country. Mm. And what it does is it reduces, you know, your ability to put money away into uh, vehicles that pay you interest. And so you're losing out on, you know, gains. So why does it prevent you from doing that? Because you're spending the money, you could be saving that money and putting it away or mm -hmm. because... Yeah, it all ties into the cost of money. When you're borrowing it from your credit card company, you're paying them interest to borrow that money. Right. When if you, you know, like let's say you make a, a purchase for $1,000 and you don't pay that off for five years, credit card interest rates range usually from 12 to 24%, sometimes higher. And so the cost of borrowing that $1,000 has skyrocketed versus if you just paid the $1,000 mm -hmm. and then took the money you would have paid in interest over those five years to your credit card company and put it into, you know, an e something in an E-Trade account or your 401k or, you know, put it elsewhere where companies pay you mm -hmm. for putting your money with them, you get compounding interest on that. So there's reasons to sort of look at your debt and figure out if you're being smart with it. Or if you're just putting off the inevitable, because you will have to pay that off eventually. So you might as well work on paying it off sooner rather than later if you can. Taxes, as I sort of touched on, are real important because it is the biggest expense you'll ever have. And also, um, you know, our economy right now, where we're, it's booming, yes, but we're also in one of the lower tax environments that we've been in in the United States in a long time. And it's scheduled to change. Um, well, I say scheduled, but it's not. It's expected to change because we have an aging 
population of baby boomers and we have a slowing population growth or I said that kind of clumsily, but you know, we're reproducing less than we used to be. And so to uh, our country has two main problems, which is social security and Medicare and Medicaid. And when all the baby boomers need those resources and our current tax levels are low and our current workforce is low, uh, what they're going to have to do is raise those taxes in order to get the money they need to pay out to the people they promised it to. So it's important to make sure that when you are saving money, you're looking at vehicles that can provide you tax-free money in the future. Like what? Uh, there's certain insurance and annuity products that you can put money in tax-free. There's Roth IRAs. How do people... How do people figure out how, which is going to be best for them, especially, mm -hmm. like I said, someone who has lower income, like mm -hmm. myself. It's like, yeah, I want to look at retirement, but also I am not making a lot of money and I also want to survive and mm -hmm. I also want to have some sort of savings if something hits the fan. Sure. So is what do you, what would you say to someone like that? I so, mean, not specifically, but... Yeah. No, I think that um, it's a great question. And what happens usually when I work with lower income clients that are referred to me or whatever, uh, or that come across, you know, my desk or my information, whatever, um, it usually comes, it usually starts with a conversation about what they have and what they owe, like actually just getting a full picture of their financial situation. And if they're, you know, a paycheck away from financial ruin, which a lot of people are, a one, you know, major car breakdown or one major health incident, and they don't have any money in the bank to pay that off. So they put it on credit cards and then that oh, snowballs. No. So what, what I usually do to help get them on track is start with habits, which is, you know, um, pay all of your bills on time in full. If you can, the minute, if the minimum balance, whatever, but just pay, if you're paying all your bills on time in full, figure out a way to then save a little bit additional uh, income to ultimately get to between three and six months of expenses in an emergency account. What's, what's a good, is there like a good, um, rule for a percentage people could be saving like a minimum, like 1%, 2%, 10%. Well, well for different levels of where you're at in your financial picture. Like obviously if you're doing well, you want to be saving about 20% of your income, 25% of your wow. income. Okay. Most people can't do that, which is why we say, uh, if you're single, you want to have about six months of expenses, not your income, but your expenses to pay your rent, your insurance, your car, all that stuff. And, um, sorry, I was just pounding on the table, but <laughs> <laughs> she's passionate uh, about she's passionate this. About she's about like it. ruling. Yeah. <clears throat> if you're a married couple and you're both working, you, you know, you can put away three months because if you, if one of you lost your job or had a major disaster, the other one's income could potentially support you until so you're there back. there it is. I'm getting punished for being single again. <laughs> well, um, there should be a government program for single people. I suppose, but I don't know what it would be. I don't know. Yeah. An arranged marriage? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, that might be for a different podcast. <laughs> but anyway, it's something that you can work towards. It's What's like, do you know a good resource for people who are just trying to be conscious of their finances? Like they're, ju like they're just starting to say, you know what, finances, that's something I need to look into. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not at a level where I could, you know, it would be best for me to work with a financial advisor. But is there a resource that you know of where people can start start looking at the big picture or is there an exercise they can do? Yes. Yeah, what? and I think everyone should start. Well, I mean, the internet is full of advice and resources for sure, but I think one key tool that everyone can do is figure out their balance sheet. 
which is their assets, minus their liabilities, and that gives you the full picture of what you're worth on paper. And I think that a lot of people in their mind have an idea and then they get into the nitty gritty of it and they don't. And so um, that's the first thing I usually do with clients is get through the nitty gritty, figure out exactly. And especially when I'm working with couples and you know, they're together and we do this, it's always interesting because you would think that if you're married and you know, you guys would both know exactly what's going on, but uh, a lot of people don't and they don't really understand fully what accounts their husband or their wife have through work or otherwise. So they don't really know what their financial picture really looks like as a whole. Yeah. So that is, so if you're in a couple, maybe the first step is like, Hey, let's get all our stuff together and see what we all, what we all have. Let's look at all of our assets. Let's look at all of our liabilities. Yeah. Do you know any fun psychological, uh, because look, the topics of saving money and budgeting it's and so doing, boring, right? It's not sexy <laughs> at all. Like the thought, it's like, ooh, I could take this money and go on a trip, mm-hmm. or I could put it in a savings account. I know. It's like I think I'd rather go on a trip. It's not a very sexy thing. So, is there um, is there something that you know of or that you do with your clients to help them psychologically? find it more interesting to save money or think about their money. Well, when it becomes tangible. So a lot of people say they want to own a home, right? Especially in LA, right? And you all know property values are very expensive. And so I think when it becomes more real for them or more of like an actual concrete goal is when I ask them, well, do you, you know, you like your job now? Are you planning on staying in LA? Usually they say, yes. It's like, are you going to stay in your current neighborhood? You know? Yeah, I want to. Okay. Well, what are home prices in that neighborhood? And what do the school systems there look like if they say they want to have children? It's sort of like, you know, that show House Hunters or uh, on HGTV. And uh, I think it's House Hunters. It was one of them where it's like first time home buyers uh-huh. and the lady would take them, you know, they're like, we want a And pal- they want all this stuff. And then yeah, it's like, yeah. our budget's $20. Exactly. <laughs> and she'll bring them to like a castle with a moat. And they're like, yes, this is exactly what we want. And she's like, cool, this is like a $3 million house. And they were like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> really what they can afford is a one bedroom, one bathroom yeah. in their current neighborhood. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, everyone laughs at those people when they see it on that show. Like how stupid, right? But truth is most people don't know what homes cost in their neighborhood unless they're actively looking. Yeah. So, you know, if that happens to be the goal, finding the comps, which you can do online real easy. Like talk to us like we're third graders comps. Going online and looking at houses in your neighborhood and seeing what they actually cost. Yeah. Comparative to the house that you actually really want. Um, you know, like maybe it's the one bedroom you can afford, but you really want, you know, something bigger and better, which you could get in a different neighborhood. Mm. Um, so I think with clients, it makes it more concrete when they're actually looking at the reality of what it is versus saying in your mind, yeah, I want to own a house someday, actually narrowing down the neighborhood you want to live in, what the house has cost in that neighborhood. I think it fuels. So it's like a way of visualizing in a sense. It's like, okay, once I know this is where I want to live and this, because it feels so far out, like retirement feels so far out that it's, it's like, I can worry about that later. I can worry about that later. And then later comes and you're like, I forgot to worry about that. Oops. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people do. So, I mean, I just used the house as an example, but it could, it could be a smaller, like the car that you really want. Like, oh, Teslas look awesome. I want to buy a Tesla in the next like two years. Well, okay. What does it cost? What model do you want? And then how are you going to get from where you are now to that car? And it's just about, you know, being dedicated and having, having goals. And again, you know, I work with some clients who are doing so well, who may, they each bring in like $400,000 a year 
and yet they're somehow still living above their means and not saving enough to sustain that lifestyle in retirement. It really doesn't matter if you're low income or high income. It's all about responsibility for you, what your situation, whatever it is. Those two groups of people are going to have very different lifestyles. But if you want to continue those lifestyles without reducing them in your retirement years, you got to plan for it. So whether you're planning for, you know, a $10 million retirement or a $250,000 retirement, it still requires discipline, um, a plan and goals. What do you think are some common obstacles people face when, when it's time to start looking at their finances, like why they don't do it? It's incredible. It's so emotional. I mean, people have such emotional ties to money. And a question I ask clients is, you know, are you a saver or a spender? And whatever answer they give, I always ask, where did you learn that? Is it, was mm. it from your parents when you, when you were growing up? Or is it something you came to on your own? And a lot of people will say, yeah, my parents were terrible with money. It was like scary growing up, not knowing like where this was going to come from. They never taught me about money mm -hmm. or the opposite. You know, they were really stringent and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, we learn about money from our parents in very different ways. Schools don't really teach you about money. And so, um, you get a lot, you trust your parents implicitly. And so, you know, sometimes they give you terrible advice from a well-meaning place. They just don't know it's bad yeah. advice. Like, you know, pay off all your debt. You know, that's a common thing that old parents, old school yeah. advice, pay off all your debt. Whereas really it makes a lot of sense to pay off, like, you know, student loan debt, for instance, pay off, a, you know, pay off as much as you can, I suppose. But you also want to put money away so that you're getting, you're taking advantage of compounding Like interest. don't just focus on paying off your debt, but also focus on building your savings. Yeah. Because you don't want to wait, you know, pay out, work solely on paying off your, and mind you, paying off debt is a good thing. But what I'm saying is if you have the choice to maybe pay off uh, your student loan debt over five years or 10 years, and the difference is being 25 years old and starting to invest in other things versus 30 years old, you just paid off your student debt and now for the first time you're starting to put money into the market or into other vehicles that will earn you interest. You know, that five years is detrimental. It's almost better to do the payoff and invest uh, like a parallel, like side by side. You know oh, what I mean? I didn't know it would make that much of a difference because... Well, they call compounding interest the eighth wonder of the world. I think Warren oh, Buffett really? like, claimed that. Yeah. It's the eighth it, wonder it, of the world. So is it too late for people in their 30s? It's never too late until you're dead or retired or broke. How do you know someone is like a legit, like a good person to talk to? Like, um, I know you're good because you're my friend, but other than that... <laughs> I think what's important when you're looking for someone is to make sure you feel listened to and heard. If you're a couple, I think it's really important that both of you are included. A lot of financial professionals will work with a husband and um, not the wife, which is incredible in this day and age, but it's true. But also a lot of the times one person in a relationship will say, well, I let, I let her handle all the finances or I let him do it all because I don't understand it. And that's okay, but go to those meetings with them so you're getting the whole picture. And so you know who the financial professional that you're working with is and, and that you have a relationship with them as well. Um, but other than that, like just being heard, uh, making sure you're not being forced into things that you don't understand. 
Uh, because mm. keep in mind, these are people who that's their job is to, yes, help you get your finances in place, but they they also need to earn a living, which is why some people will charge for their advice. Some people won't. Some people will, um, you know, pay you, uh, you'll pay them to manage your whole portfolio. Other times you'll pay on a like per product basis. So it's just a matter of understanding how you're paying this person and um, making sure you're comfortable with that. Also, if you're asking questions, and you're not getting good answers or you feel like they're being evasive, like maybe find somebody else. Uh, I suppose it's just like any professional that you hire. You just want to make sure that your relationship is a good one and you get your questions answered. Okay. All right, cool. So basically do a Google search and interview people, it sounds like. Well, I would or ask, ask for recommendations. Yeah. yeah. I think word of mouth is, is real valuable. And that's how I build my whole client base. I can't advertise because right. see, there's certain rules when you are FINRA registered about how you are, you know, you can't really... Um, can't really do a career. That's why you've never seen a commercial for a financial advisor. Mm. Um, so yeah, asking other people is a great way to go. So it seems like the first couple steps is get your saving, your three to six months savings together. Mm-hmm. Have an if, emergency fund. Have your emergency fund. Or if you're in a couple, you know, put all your assets three and liabilities. Yeah, yeah. Three months or six months. Mm-hmm. And then from there, start seeking out advice and also have a good goal in mind. Like mm-hmm. I need to buy a car or I want to buy a home in X amount of years in this neighborhood. Yeah. And that'll help. And, I mean, most people have some, like you said, retirement seems so far away, but people know, like they understand they don't want to be working when they're 80 years old. So they, you know, most people want to be set for retirement. Um, another thing that's very easy to do is go to your HR person at your job and find out about all the benefits that you're offered. Cause usually when people start a job, they're signing a million documents. They're like, okay, I'll look into this later. They get their health insurance squared away, but most people don't know what's offered in the way of group disability insurance through their job, their 401k, what, you know, maybe they'll have an idea of what the matches or not. Um, but it's great to find that out and make sure you're not leaving money on the table, especially with a 401k. If your company's matching your investment, take advantage. It's free money. And I don't always think the right thing to do is to max out your 401k because that's $18,500 a year you can put into your 401k, but at least up to the match and then figure out if there is, um, you know, if there's debt or something that you want to pay down, like that's when it, it's good to maybe get some help and, and to like really find out from a professional, like what is the best way to go. But, uh, your HR department's a great first step. The emergency fund is a great first step. And then you have a better picture of, um, where you're at. Okay. But if you're a freelancer and you, you don't have an HR department, mm-hmm. just focus on the savings the yeah. three to six months and yeah, for sure. Uh, it's tougher. It's true because of what you do in your career. The IRA, I guess you could get an IRA. I mean, I do have one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I got it so long ago. It's not like something like, I don't remember all the details of the things I've invested in. I'm just like, they're there, but I don't remember yeah. the details of them. Right. Well, if you're a little bit more advanced and it's not just about saving, you know, the emergency fund, if you do have some investments, um, making sure you understand them. And reviewing them like quarterly is good. Mm-hmm. Finding out what the fees you're paying for them are. And again, this is where you can go and reach out and get help. Okay. We're going to take a short <laughs> break and then we'll talk about how to do this balance sheet when we come back on a little advice. Hey y'all, thanks for listening to this episode of A Little Advice. I hope you are learning a lot about money and you're getting your life together. Not that you don't have your life together, but I hope it's like getting even more together. If you'd like to see me do comedy in person, this Wednesday I will be a Who's Bay at the Mill Casino in Oregon. And on Friday, I will be at Chadswick Pub 
in Oregon, in Medford, Oregon. And then I will be... I'll be doing local shows in L.A. probably. So uh, check out my calendar on my website, christinelittle.net. And please don't forget to rate, subscribe, review this podcast. It means a lot, and it'll help other people find the podcast. And then you'll look like a hero, and everyone wants to look at, like, a hero. Thank you guys so much for listening to And we are back! Several moments later, I'm with Kristen Chamberlain. We are talking money. She is a financial advisor, but I can't tell you where. It is a secret. <laughs> uh, now, tell us about this whole balance sheet thing. Like sure. Doing a basic balance sheet. Okay, so um, it's just a way to figure out where you are. Uh, a balance sheet and a budget are the two best things you can do for yourself. If you wanted to do this at home um, and you really want to do a deep dive into what um, – what you should be putting on it, I'm going to go through it real quick. So uh, for your assets, there's taxable and tax-deferred assets. So you'd want to include savings, uh, CDs, bonds, any mutual funds you have, any stocks that you have in taxable assets. Uh, if you wanted to go real deep, you could figure out what your cost basis on those investments are. It helps you figure out what your taxes are in I the don't long know run. What that means. Yeah, so I'll keep it simple and just say, just put the basic <laughs> assets. I don't know what cost cost <laughs> cost basics basis. Yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Um, so tax deferred assets would be your four hundred one k, any annuities you have, IRAs. If you're saving for a child's education in a five twenty nine plan. Those are all uh, tax deferred. So you'd want to do you and your spouse for all of this. If you're married, just you. If you're single, of course. Um, and then you have your personal and business assets. So if you own your home, if you own your vehicle or any other personal property or business interests, again, figuring out what the current value of that asset is, uh, what your purchase price was, it helps you figure out um, the true value of that asset. Um, and so then what you do is you uh, subtract from that all of your liabilities. So liabilities could be your mortgage, any equity loans, personal and student loans, car loans, and credit cards. Um, Question. Sure. You, you have the home, like under assets, you have home ownership. Mm -hmm. Is that if you are not making a mortgage payment? Because your mortgage payment is under liability as well. So how would that would be the equity in your home? So, yeah. As an like, asset? Yeah, your home is an asset once you purchase a property it's it's an asset but of course the mortgage on that is a liability so, so the value of the home is that what you're putting down under the assets yep so you put down what you um and that's why you figure out what you bought it for and what it's worth it okay. helps figure it out so sometimes you have more equity in the home than you thought uh, but for the basics again you can just do the value of the home the current market value of your house is the asset but you have to obviously put what your mortgage is okay. as as one of the liabilities okay um so that, that helps you figure out like exactly what you're worth on paper. And then, of course, you take your salary into account when you're looking at this. So you know what you have on paper, what you're worth. Sometimes it's a negative if you have more uh, debt than you have assets. Sometimes you're up, which is great when you have, uh, even if it is in the form of your home, like it still matters because you can use certain mm. things like your home as collateral for a loan or, you know, and you can borrow money for a very cheap interest rate if you have those types of things. So it's just good to know. Um, then you figure out what your salary is so you know what's coming in. And then the most eye-opening thing for most people is their monthly budget. If you ask someone what they spend in a month, 
chances are they're going to give you a very different answer than what is actually going out. So for a budget, there's very specific items that uh, you want to take into account. And so when you're doing your budget, uh, you want to include your mortgage or your rent, your property taxes, your home maintenance, your homeowner's insurance, utilities, gas, water, cable, all of that, your phone bill. You want to include the amount you spend on groceries every month, on personal care. You know, if you're getting manicures twice a month or pedicures or whatever, you know, don't forget to add that in. Clothes, dry cleaning, if you have help around your house, if you have lawn care, um, if you have professional dues to any associations, any unions, or whatever. I thought you said dudes. No. So, what but if... wait, I'll just finish, so if anyone's writing it down. Oh, okay. Um, you know, your credit card payments, other loan payments, uh, you want to include your car payment, your car insurance, gas, car maintenance, um, health insurance, life insurance, long-term care insurance, if you have it. Um, the amount you spend on prescriptions or drugs every month. And then the more fun things that you spend your money on, like dining out, movies or sporting events, hobbies, vacation and travel. And then, uh, and if any of these are annual, like your property taxes, you just divide it by 12 and whatever, and okay. try to actually get the monthly figure. And so once you have your balance sheet, your salary, and then your monthly expenses, it gives you a real clear idea of, of where you are if you're you know barely breaking even if you have extra money left over at the end of the month awesome that's also when you should go to a financial planner they can help you invest that money if you find out that you are spending more than you are making you've got to make adjustments um, you know it would be great to say just make more money that's incredibly mm -hmm. difficult a lot of the time um, but you can look at that budget and maybe scale back maybe dining out needs to drop down you know to instead of four times a week, twice a week, like whatever you can do to start building better habits. Um, but it's hard to get a handle on your finances if you don't know where you stand. So for everybody out there, the one takeaway from today I would say is try to, try to take into account your complete budget with all these little detailed things, your balance sheet and your salary, uh, just to figure out where you stand. Okay. So what is the biggest shock that people have after doing this? Um, I think what most people say is, wow, I've never gone through this before. I've never thought about it before. So I think the exercise of really diving into their budget and, um, their spending habits, because we all think we know, but until you really do it and you can do it on a spreadsheet or whatever, um, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but it's very eye opening. Like, oh wow, I spend way more money than I thought I did. And uh, that's a problem. <laughs> how, how far is it good for them to go back when they're looking at their expenses? Like one year, two year, six months? I mean, I would, six months is fine. Oh, okay. Uh, unless something drastic has changed. But but sometimes there's like car maintenance and things that, that come up. Mm -hmm. like, and that's one of them. Or trips. Yeah. That come up. So that's like every other, sometimes it'll be every other year. So mm -hmm. do you want to go back two years or? I think in the, when you're looking at things like vacation and travel, you try to, I mean, that one's tough. You could actually go back and look through all your finances the last like two years or so, but I feel like most people kind of know like, well, I went on two trips last year. I had, you know, I had to travel for a friend's wedding. Uh, and then I went home for Christmas or some, or the holidays or something like that. And if you know, that's your pretty general pattern. I think you can make assumptions that the next few years will be the same. Um, mm -hmm. but it's really just about trying to be honest. The only, and that's the thing too, when you're doing this on your own, 
you know, sometimes people will, when I'm working with them, will tell me one thing. And then the next time I see them, it's like, yeah, I was actually, I was spending way more than I thought I was. Like sometimes people lie, even to me, because it's hard to face this stuff sometimes, yeah. especially if you think you're okay with money and you're looking at it and you're like, maybe I'm not. Oh. People are afraid of being judged because finances are one of those things. It's personal. That, like, it's personal. So when you're doing it, be honest with yourself, be honest with your partner if you're with somebody um, because money issues are one of the biggest stressors in a marriage or a partnership. And so getting it all out in the open, even if it's not good. Do you think it still helps people when you, when they get it out in the open, even if it's not good? Yes. You look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you know you're hiding like bad spending habits or you've got debt, you never told your partner about like, that doesn't feel good to keep that to yourself. Cause you know, you shouldn't, and you should be upfront with this person that you're sharing your life with. Uh, so yeah, where you're, when you're both aware of what it is, you can address it. It's really like anything you've got to just face it head on because it's, all the, I know I was saying before, it's very emotional and it's very personal. Um, that's how it feels, but really what it comes down to is just numbers. It's just math. Okay, can I ask you this one, uh, I guess, final question, unless that turns into something else. But what is the biggest change that you've seen in someone um, after them getting real with their finances, either emotionally or tangibly? Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of anything? Well, it's kind of hard to say because again I think the biggest change would be going from someone who is uh not saving and just you know living paycheck to paycheck and then have them turn that all around but most of the people that I I work with are like have some of these habits in place already um I think the biggest things that I love to see are when people are paying down their toxic debt um and you know if you've got thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt that is crushing and people do people who make good money will live with credit card debt and it's insane because of the interest that you're paying on that money. Why do you think people do that? Well, again, it goes back to it's behavioral. You know, there's a whole new like um, industry cropping up around behavioral finance and like why people do what they do when, again, it's all just numbers and, you know, you should be able to say, okay, well, that's dumb. I'm paying a fortune to carry this debt and I could pay it off, but I don't. Um, Because what it would mean is, a lot of the time what it means is allocating money that's going someplace else to that debt. And obviously it's more fun to go on vacations and to go shopping and to not care and to go out to eat versus cooking for yourself. And um, so you have to just, you know, I think it's adulting. You know, everyone call it like adulting is hard. That's like the new thing you see on all these memes and all of that. And it is true. It means being the person who's telling you to quit it put that money towards this and you know what I mean? It's, it's just being responsible and being an adult and that's difficult for a lot of people. It doesn't feel, it feels great when you pay off the debt, but the, when you're looking at it it's like, that's so much money and I'm never going to pay it off. So it's easier just to let it linger versus like addressing it. Yeah. I think I have a lot of student loan debt that I'm like, is this ever going to be paid off? (laughs) Yeah. And if I had the money, I would probably, pay it off, but I don't want to, I wouldn't take equity out of my house to pay it off because I don't want to pay off debt with debt Mm -hmm. or, you know, I'd rather spend that money on an investment and grow money versus just getting rid of the student loans. But some of those are so predatory. It sucks. They can be, especially the variable rate loans in this environment. If anyone out there has a variable rate student loan, 
now would be a great time to see if you can reshuffle that debt into something structured that you'll know what your interest rate's going to be going forward because rates are rising. I'm trying. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm doing my best. I know. Um, you know, that's the tricky thing about, about financial planning, though, is that is what you feel and you want. And then other people might be like, oh, I didn't know I could take equity out of my house and pay off. And student loan is not toxic debt. But, toxic. Um, but some people don't know they can use that equity and pay off credit card debt, which makes sense if it's a high interest rate. But the good thing is, no matter where you are financially, you could be so in debt right now and you could be, or you could just be middle of the road. Like it's never too late to start improving your circumstances. So as long as you're not just like turning a blind eye to it all, but if you address it, there's always ways to um, dig yourself out of, if you're in a hole, to dig yourself out of that hole. Um, it's never hopeless. It's always worthwhile to start trying. Um, you know, you might not end up in where you thought you would end up when you started life or as an adult, as like 20, you know, when you just got out of college, you might've thought, oh, like, of course, by the time I'm 35, I'm going to be doing so well. And then you hit 35 and you're like, shit, that did not happen. Uh, but you can improve it so that you're not 65 looking at retirement and having nothing saved, but your company is pushing you out because you're older now and they want younger employees they can hire for cheaper. Like, you know, you just want to sort of make sure that you don't end up in a worse spot. So address it now. Start with a small amount that you can save into an emergency fund like we discussed. Once you do that, look out for, for a financial professional to help you. Reach out to your HR professional at work if you can, if you have that. Uh, figure out what your benefits are that there. That would be like, hey, Christine. Yeah, how's it going? Do we have a savings plan? And you're like, damn it, let me just finish my statement. Yeah, and before you take any action saving or reaching out to HR people or to financial professionals, you can always do the little exercise we discussed of your assets minus your liabilities, your salary, and then a budget. And just to figure out exactly where your money goes every month, how much comes in, and the overall picture of where that's you're at. Hard. That's hard for someone like me when it's freelance and I don't, I don't know how much money's going to come in. Do you have any tips for other freelancers in terms of um, how to get a good picture of... You could take your last three years of what you claimed on your taxes and use that as um, a baseline. If you're expecting work to stay the same, I mean, obviously everyone's hoping they make it big and everything changes, but if you wanted to be conservative with your view on it, um, yeah, take your last three years of tax returns, average it out, and assume that's what you're going to make this year. Your tax, like what you, um, the money that you made mm -hmm. for those years. Okay. Yeah. Before yeah. taxes or after taxes? For your, the salary portion, um, do it after taxes because that's actually what's coming in. Okay. Because <laughs> like you said, you don't think of taxes as your money because it's not. You do owe it to the government. And so when you're trying to figure out the real money you're spending every month, like with your budget, you have to take your salary after taxes. Okie dokie. Artichoke. <laughs> are there any other like hopeful anecdotes? Is it anecdotes or ane I think anecdotes? Anecdotes. Yeah. That well, you I think just that it's with? like I had said a little bit ago. Um, it's there's always time. It's never too late to start improving your financial situation. It might feel that way. It might feel hopeless, but it's not. And um, there's a lot of resources out there online. Like you had said, there's. Um, can people ask you questions? Is that something you're open to? Yeah, of course. 
So where can people find you if they want to ask you questions? Um, they can. Uh, my name is Kristen Chamberlain, and they can reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to uh, answer questions or um, you know work with someone if they think that that would be a good fit. Okay. Well, I'm pretty jazzed to work on my finances now, to be honest. Yeah. After talking about it for so long. Yeah. Because I, I like to, I mean, I do it periodically, but I like to go back and say, is this still true? Was I being honest back then? Let me look and see if things have changed or yeah. what's going on. So um, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this has been helpful. Financial health is so important. So I think that's something we should all focus on and look at, at least annually. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me online, on social media, I am at the X Teen Little on Instagram. Come say hi. Message me if there's anything else you'd like to learn more about and I can have some experts on because this has been really fun talking with you, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to A Little Advice. <laughs> but also, please share, rate, subscribe.